We would rather choose the familiar pain of I'm sad and I'm upset to the unfamiliar pain of exploring and reflecting. So we'd rather stay in the same place and repeat the pain that we're used to than open ourselves up to a new kind of pain that could actually heal us. And that's why we stay stuck. Hi, I'm Vishen Lakiani, founder of Mind Valley, the school for human transformation. You're listening to the Mind Valley podcast, where we'll be bringing you the greatest teachers and thought leaders on the planet to discuss the world's most powerful ideas in personal growth for mind, body, spirit, and work. So, we're about to start a podcast with me and Jay Shetty, but before we begin, Jay Shetty's tips on great hair. So, apparently, you got to wet your hair in the morning after you come out of the shower. Then you take a hair dryer. And if your hair normally goes this way, you comb it the opposite direction on warm. Then you comb it the direction you want on cold. And then it fluffs up. And so since doing that, I've added at least two inches to my hair. And apparently a lot of people talk about inches in other parts of your body, but the hair being far more visible is where two inches can really make a difference. And so my hair literally grew by two inches. And people started saying, I look at least five years younger. And now back then, my social media following was 30,000 people. It is now 637,000 people. And I bet at least 300,000 of those people I attribute to my extra two inches of hair, thanks to this amazing monk. So I know, I know you guys love Jay Shetty's wisdom. You love his viral videos. You love his like advice on romance. You know, I don't give a shit about all of that. I just love the fact that this man added two inches to my hair. The only thing I've been able to contribute to Vision's life is that. That was it. That's the, the only thing in all these years that we've become friends that I've been able to add to his life. But I, I think it was also the Eric Edmeads class, Vision, that you were doing. I think that, you know, like you've, you've been in great shape, man. I remember when you were telling that story uh, in Sardinia and, and just your health journey. Incredible. So anyway, I'm always happy to be with the Mind Valley community. It feels like family. I wish I could be present with everyone who's here right now. I wish I could all give you all a big hug. Mind Valley community gives the best hugs as well. So I'm missing you all. And Vishen, I'm very grateful for this. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we had to ban hugging because of this thing going around called a pandemic. So now we just piss bump. So, you know, sadly, some things had to change. But Jay, I want to acknowledge you because when you came to stage on Sardinia, at Mind Valley APES in Sardinia, you did something really unique, which I've never seen a speaker do. Many speakers come and they deliver a speech that they have written before, you know, so it's, it's like a factory process. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Many speakers have incredible set speeches, but you created something unique for the audience. Not only did you create something unique, you went to Sardinia early to film footage of the island to embed that in your speech. And your speech in Sardinia was voted the number one talk in Mind Valley for all of 2018. So Jay Shetty won an award in 2019 for being the best speaker on Mind Valley out of over 100 speakers globally for all of 2018. That's your dedication to the craft, and I wanted to acknowledge you for that. It is no surprise that you have 7.5 million fans on Instagram. You are the most popular individual person brand on Facebook. I don't know if that's still true, but I know it was like at least a year ago. You had more fans than Barack Obama, I believe. <laughs> there was a time when uh, they were looking at engagement on Facebook and other platforms. And 
and ranking it against each other. But I think the most incredible thing in the last three, four years has been the commitment of the community and great friendships like yours. I genuinely, and I'm not just saying that, I have my Mind Valley trophy up there. I was going to go and grab it. I have it right there. But really, it's been the incredible relationships I've been able to build with people like yourself and, and so many others in the Mind Valley tribe that I'm friends with. That's really the greatest success is having great friends. Jay, so I know we have something special for the audience today. We're going to spend 20 minutes. You're going to deliver a powerful dose of wisdom, and then we're going to have 20 minutes for a Q&A. So whenever you're ready, and just before we begin, just for people who are new to you so they can find you, you can find Jay on jshetty.me. That's J-A-Y-S-H-E-T-T-Y dot M-E. And Jay's new book is out. And get this, Jay's book hit the number one spot on Amazon, not in a category, it hit the number one spot on Amazon. It was the best-selling book in all of Amazon. It's called Think Like a Monk. I want you to open up Amazon, type Think Like a Monk, or type Jay Shetty, and bookmark that or add it to your cart. It is a brilliant book, number one book on all of Amazon. Jay, is that correct? Yeah, it was amazing, man. It was just incredible. We went number one across the world, and then thankfully made the number one New York Times bestseller too, which was just insane and completely beyond my imagination. So thank you to everyone who went out and bought a book, left a review, everyone who's done all of that. Like just thank you for showing up. I'm so grateful. And if you haven't read the book yet, then I look forward to hearing your feedback. Let's get started with your lesson for us today, your Jay Shettiness. Great. Let's do it. So first of all, I just want to say a huge thanks again to Vision and Mind Valley. I feel really invited into the family of been to a couple, maybe even a few more events recently as well. I want to give a big shout out to Urban Valencia and Claire Anstey, who first told me about AFEST many, many years ago. And I would never have imagined even attending, but then getting to speak was a huge, huge honor for me. And I've told Vision that story before. So it's always an honor to be involved at Mind Valley. And today I want to share with you just three very simple messages, three very powerful stories that I believe are going to be really useful to reset your 2020. So if you've had a tough 2020, if you've had a difficult 2020, if you've had a 2020 full of ups and downs, and maybe you're still experiencing that today, I'm hoping that these three messages and these three insights will give you an opportunity to feel like you can reset, to feel like you can rebuild. Now, the first one that I want to share with you is an incredible lesson I learned from a guest on my podcast. Vision's been an incredible guest on my podcast, a very popular episode. And we've had some phenomenal guests from different backgrounds. And one of the guests shared this equation with me. And this equation really left an imprint on my mind because of its simplicity. So I'll share the equation with you. The equation is pain plus reflection equals progress. Pain plus reflection equals progress. So Ray Dalio shared this equation with me. And Ray Dalio, if you don't know him, you know, billionaire investor worth $20 billion, incredible journey and career, deep meditator, a practitioner of transcendental meditation, who he says has had a big impact on his life. He shared that pain plus reflection equals progress. If you take away reflection out of that equation, all you're left with is pain. 
right? If pain plus reflection equals progress and you take away reflection, all you're left with is pain. There's no progress. And for a lot of us, when we're experiencing pain, when we're experiencing stress, when we're experiencing pressure, when we're experiencing challenges, we forget to reflect. And when you forget to reflect, you lose the opportunity for real progress. We forget to reflect because we get distracted. We try to avoid pain or we try to numb pain. How many of you have ever tried to distract yourself away from pain or avoid pain or numb pain? But when we reflect on pain, we have the opportunity to have progress in our lives. So I want you to ask yourself today and I want you to write these questions down and I want you to journal away. And if you're like, Jay, I'm not a writer, then I want you to voice note yourself, right? Sometimes hearing your own voice back can be a really powerful technique. So if you're a writer, write it down. If you're not voice note it, and so just write out the questions right now. I want you to reflect on this year with these three questions that are going to help you build that reflection with your pain. So we've all experienced pain. Some of us have lost something and some of us have lost someone, right? There are people who have lost people. I lost a lot of people this year in my life for different reasons, COVID and others. And when I reflected on it, these were the questions that I thought were the most powerful for reflection. So the first question that you must reflect on, which is an age-old truth, but is so overlooked, is what is this situation trying to gift me? What is this situation trying to gift me? There is some sort of gift here. There is some practical, valuable gift here that I might be missing. What is that gift? The second question is, how can I never forget that gift? And the third question is, how can I give that gift to others? These three questions encapsulate reflection. What is the gift in this moment? How can I never forget this gift so I never have to feel this way again? And how can I share this gift with others? And I'll share a story with you, a personal story that I haven't really talked about in depth anywhere else, and I want to share it here. So I lost one of my long-term spiritual mentors this year to stage four brain cancer. And he got diagnosed with stage four brain cancer about two years ago. He was based in London. I'd known him since I was about 12, been really close to him since I was about 18. He was a very close family friend as well, an incredible spiritual guide. And when he got diagnosed with brain cancer, it was a shock to all of us because, you know, he lived a healthy lifestyle. He, he meditated, he practiced everything, but this was just the way of his life. And it was really tough to understand what the gift was in this scenario. Now, here's the amazing thing. When you're experiencing stage four brain cancer in his particular condition, he lost his short-term memory and his long-term memory was impaired, but not lost. So if he would see me when I would visit London in the past couple of years, when he would see me, he would say, Jay, it's so good to see you. And then literally 20 seconds later, he'd be like, Jay, it's so good to see you because that's where his short-term memory was at. And so he still knew who I was. He'd recognize my face and he'd recognize what, you know, our relationship in the past, but it was much harder for him to hold on to that conversation. And when he passed away this year, I wasn't able to fly back to London because of the pandemic. 
And so I wasn't able to attend his funeral, which was really tough for me. And again, I kept asking myself, what's the gift in this situation? What's the gift in this situation? And when I continued to reflect, because I didn't just want to live in pain, I wanted to ask myself, you know, I wanted to move into that reflection element. And here's the interesting thing. Thich Nhat Hanh, an incredible monk, he talks about why we choose familiar pain, he says, over unfamiliar pain. We would rather choose the familiar pain of I'm sad and I'm upset to the unfamiliar pain of exploring and reflecting. So we'd rather stay in the same place and repeat the pain that we're used to then open ourselves up to a new kind of pain that could actually heal us. And that's why we stay stuck. So let me ask myself, what is the gift in this? I realized the gift in it was to value and cherish every moment that I have spent with this incredible teacher. The fact that I on this planet was lucky and fortunate enough to have this time with him was the greatest gift I could ever have asked for. Let me not forget that gift because I have lost the gift of the future time, but let me not forget the gift of the present and the past time we had. And that was the gift in the scenario that I could learn. It may not be a gift that I wanted, and it may not be the gift that I would have asked for, but it was the gift that I needed and the only way that I could process this. Now, the second thing was, how do I never forget this gift? I never forget this gift by sharing this story, by talking about it, by celebrating him. And here's what I want to celebrate about him. Even when he was struggling with stage four brain cancer, all he would ever do if anyone met him was thank them for their service. He would be grateful to them. Imagine if your broken record mind only thanked people because that's all that was left. When everything was stripped away from his brain and his mind, all he did was thank people when anyone approached him. Absolutely phenomenal. And then how do I give this gift to others? I try to ask myself every day, what was a quality that he lived by that he would love me to live by? What is a quality that he lived by that he would love for me to live by? Because if I do that, then he's living with me every single day. He's present with me every single day. And so think about reflection, whether it's a situation, maybe your business has been impacted, maybe your entrepreneurial journey has been sidetracked, maybe you've dealt with some challenges in your personal life, your relationship. Use those three questions as a reflection. There was something you said that I thought was so powerful, so powerful. It was something along the lines was, what was the quality about him that you acknowledge that you can embed into your life? Because when you have that, he lives with you every day. And there was something truly, truly, truly powerful there that really touched my soul. And I'm wondering if the audience listening to this felt that same thing. It was a profound bit of advice on how to deal with the loss of a loved one. So thank you for sharing that. I just wanted to draw attention to that because it was so profound. Please continue. Yeah, no, thank you, Vishen. Thank you so much. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to share this. I've not actually shared this anywhere else with this much depth because, you know, it's something I've been processing as well. And it truly is that, you know, people live through their character and their qualities. And when we stop living by their character and their qualities, that's when they stop living, right? Like, that's really how we all live. Like, if you look at Mind Valley, like, Mind Valley is infused 
with the people that created its qualities, right? That's why you all love it and connect with it. And so qualities and values and character lives beyond a physical presence. It's far more energetic. And therefore, if you're living in that vibration or that frequency or that energy, then that person's vibration and frequency and energy continues to live. So if you've lost someone this year, or if you've lost something, then please, please, please take that on board. And thank you for all your wonderful comments that are coming out. And I'm seeing a lot of great acknowledgement for things that you've lost too. So thank you, Vishen, and thank you everyone for sharing that. I want to share two more stories with you. The second story I want to share with you is a story that's told by the Buddha. And I know that Vishen's book is called The Buddha and the Badass, which I absolutely love. I think it's a great book, great title too. And we both share this. I think Vishen and I both have this affection for combining old and new and timeless and ancient and modern. And and I love it. And I really appreciate having him as a brother on this journey. But the Buddha tells this incredible story. And he tells the story of a person who wants to cross a turbulent river. So this person's on a journey and there's a turbulent river running across and they need to cross this to get to the next stage of their journey. The person's looking and goes, That's, you can't swim that. If you try and swim that, you'll probably drown and get taken away by the current. And they don't have a boat, but they start to notice around them on the ground that they have some items that can build a raft. So they start seeing the bamboo, they start seeing twigs and sticks, they start seeing some rope, and they start to craft this raft. And they put all of it down, they tie it up together, they build an oar as well that they can hold. They see the raft, it's built now, they test it a little bit, and the person pushes it onto the river and starts paddling as fast as they can. They paddle with all their energy, they get to the other side, they made it. And they think to themselves, this raft saved my life. This raft is everything. I can't live without this raft. It is the best thing that I've ever created and the best thing that I own. I'm going to take this raft with me wherever I go. So they strap the raft onto their back, the big raft. They put the oar in as well. And now they're walking around with the raft on their back and trudging along to the next stage of their journey. Now, as they move forward, they get to a place that is completely wooded. Lots of trees, lots of big trees, and literally every couple of steps, there's a huge tall tree. So they're now trying to walk with this raft, and the raft just keeps hitting the trees, and they're trying to like maneuver and like swivel through, and they just keep getting knocked and keep like getting stuck, and they're like, gosh, this is tiring. How am I going to get this raft through? They're completely stuck. And the Buddha says that this is where this person has a choice. They have the choice to realize the raft was a useful ally. But for me to move forward, I will have to let go of the raft. The very raft that saved my life at one point in time, I have to let go of to be able to pass through these trees carefully. And knowing that I can always rebuild the raft because I have the knowledge, but I have to be comfortable to let go so that I can move forward. Often we think of letting go of things that are not useful to us, that are negative for us. But sometimes it's the mindset that saved us in the past that's no longer relevant and current right now. What we all experienced this year is so challenging. 
is so unpredictable. No one could have been prepared for this. Like no one's mindset was prepared for this. No one had any idea this was happening. So what are the things, and ask yourself this question, again, reflection, ask yourself the question, what are the things that you need to let go of? What are the mindsets that may have served you in the past, but are not going to serve you in the future? What are the habits that may have served you in the past, but are not going to serve you in the future? What are the habits that you know are really useful, but then don't apply this year? Which are the ones that like this raft, you have to let go of to be able to move forward through the trees? That really is wisdom, knowing what to let go of and what to keep. And right now is that time where we need to figure that out. So that's our second reflection. One of the things I've realized after conducting well over a thousand interviews with the world's greatest thought leaders in everything from entrepreneurship to spirituality to health and wellness to relationship is that life is enormous. And there are so many ways we can make our life better and better in every way, in every single day. If you're successful in just one area of life, you might just suck in another. I've known billionaires whose romantic lives were in shambles. I've known incredibly emotionally intelligent people who just couldn't make money. And that's totally fine. It doesn't matter where you are. Life doesn't have to stay the same forever. You're not cursed or destined to be miserable or unlucky in love or struggling to make ends meet. You were just never thought how to have it all, how to do things differently, how to master the human experience from a mind, body, and soul perspective. This is where Mind Valley membership comes in. When you become a Mind Valley member, you are coached by the greatest teachers in the world. You get to live a life beyond your wildest dreams and learn the best systems, protocols, methods, step by step by step in just 20 minutes a day to get there. You become the man or woman that you've always aspired to be. And this happens in the easiest, most effective way because of the Mind Valley transformational model. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash now. Don't settle for ordinary. Don't settle for your life the way it is now. Aspire to step into your greatness. And the third and final story I want to tell you is actually one that was shared with me by Ozan Varel, who's the writer of a book called Think Like a Rocket Scientist. And he shares this great study in this book or experiment in this book that was completed by Stanford University. And in this study, there was a professor named Stelig, and this is called Stelig's $5 Challenge. So Stelig came into the university college room and challenged all of the students in the room, Stanford students, said, I'm going to give you $5 and I'm going to give you two hours. And you have to make as much money as you possibly can with $5 in two hours. And then you'll have three minutes at the end to present what you did, why you did it, and how you did it. So now these are all Stanford students. They're pretty smart. They start thinking, what can we do? So some of them, they go, okay, this $5, maybe we can buy a lemonade stand and some lemonade, or maybe we can do a car wash. So with $5, you can probably get one bucket one sponge and a bit of washing up liquid for the cars. How many cars are you going to wash in two hours with one bucket and one sponge? They didn't win. The team that made lemonade, how much lemonade are you going to make with $5? Maybe a hundred cups if you're lucky, maybe 50 cups. What, you're going to sell them for what? A dollar each if you're lucky, 50 cents, 25 cents. They didn't win. Now the second team realized that the $5 was a distraction what they really had that was a value 
was two hours. They really had two hours to make as much money as they could because the $5 was just a waste of time and a distraction. So what they did was they booked reservations at all the top restaurants around Stanford University and they sold the time slots to corporate companies who have corporate events at these fancy restaurants. So they would call up the company and say, hey, have you got a dinner tonight? We've got a 7 p.m. reservation at the hottest restaurant in town. Do you want it? And they would sell it. They did pretty well and they made a lot of money, but they still didn't win. I'll tell you the team that won. The team that won realized that not only was the $5 a distraction, but the two hours was also a distraction. The reason is they realized the most valuable thing they had was the three minutes presentation in front of a group of Stanford graduates that they all had been promised at the end. What the team that won did is that they sold that three minutes to a company that wanted to recruit Stanford graduates and they were allowed to give a three minute presentation in front of all the Stanford graduates to talk about their company. And that's how they used their three minutes. They made $650 in three minutes and they won the competition. Now, why am I sharing this with you? I'm sharing this with you because I think in this year, in a year like 2020, there are lots of $5 and there are lots of two hours. There are a lot of distractions. There are a lot of things that are taking away from what essentially matters to us. For you, it may be your family. For you, it may be your meditation practice. For you, it may be your self-development journey or your journey of growth. For you, it may be your passion you just started or your purpose that you're looking for. For you, it may just be a company that you started. And that may be what really matters to you, but there's all these distractions in 2020. There's all these other things that are competing for your attention so much that you might actually just miss it. And so I ask you to reflect, what is something that's truly meaningful to me that I'm not giving enough energy to? Not time, not effort, energy. What is it that is deeply purposeful and meaningful to me that recently I haven't given enough energy to? Because it is that thing that is your three minutes to winning versus that $5 and that two hours of a distraction. So those are my three stories, three messages on reflection, starting with Ray Dalio's message of pain plus reflection equals progress. I gave you three questions to reflect on. The second question was the Buddha story about the person who's trying to cross a river and needs to figure out what do I have to let go of? And ask yourself, what do I need to let go of that's not serving me anymore? And thirdly and finally, what is your distraction don't get lost in trying to chase that $5 or that two hours. What is your three minutes that will change your life? So much, so much in there. I want to go to the first one. I want to go back to the first one. Then we're going to come to the second story and the third story. But the first one on Ray Dalio, for the benefit of the people who are listening and watching this, will you repeat the three questions? Yeah, absolutely. So the first question is, is what gift is this situation trying to give me? As soon as you ask that question, you're shifting your mindset from this being pain to a gift. And as soon as you shift that mindset to a gift, best analogy for this is, imagine lots of people turn up to your birthday party and they give you gifts, but you don't like the gift, right? You're like, oh, this is not really me. 
But the interesting thing here is you still know it was a gift. And so you have some positive sentiment to that person that at least they tried, right? Whereas if someone came into your house and broke something and damaged it, that's definitely a negative thing. Mm-hmm. And you don't see it as a gift. So the first thing is you may get a gift from life that you don't want, but, but asking yourself, what is this trying to gift me changes your mindset to be like, what is the gift? What is the gift? Let me look for that Easter egg. Let me look for that gift. What is the gift in this scenario? Mm. Uh, the second question is, how do I never forget this gift? The reason why I add this is most of us have to keep learning the same lessons in life because we forget them, right? We, we mistake them. We, we don't remember them. Because once we learn the lesson, we do it mistake again and we feel it again. And the third and final lesson is how do I give this gift to others? Because it's important that when we're sharing it, that when we're passing it on. So the example I was giving is I shared the story of my mentor. That's the way I'm giving that gift to others of his gift and the gift that I've gained from that experience by sharing it, by giving it away. So those are the three questions. Mm, I see. I see. So I want to share a story from my life, and I'd love to hear a story from your life of these three questions applied during COVID. So when COVID hit me, I was in Malaysia, guys, and in Malaysia, it was really strict. The government put the entire country in about, I think it was around 10 to 12 weeks of full lockdown. You couldn't leave your house. 14 joggers in my neighborhood were arrested. You couldn't even jog. You just had to stay at home. All the offices were shut down. Now, what many people didn't know is that a month before COVID, I had bought a beautiful new space to turn into a gorgeous office for 70 people. And so all of a sudden, our offices were completely shut down. I was panicking because I had 250 team members who were now locked at home. And these were people from all around the world. We had an office. We literally had just signed the lease. I owed a lot of money to the banks, yet we couldn't use the space and the bills were just piling up, the second whammy. And the third whammy was, I was supposed to move into a new apartment. I was supposed to move in in two weeks, and then the lockdown hit, and construction was frozen, and I had no place to stay. So I was staying in a tiny little room in my ex-wife's apartment. And so my entire life was thrown into disarray. First thing is that, what was it trying to gift me? The first thing was that it gave me the gift of focus, I had nothing else to do. I was in a tiny room. I had to focus on my business like with no distraction, like nothing before to make money to pay this rent that was bleeding us to make things work. And I had to focus on how to create new systems for the entire team to collaborate virtually because we now had people scattered all across the world. The funny thing that happened was as I discovered these gifts, the business became hyper-efficient. Mind Valley literally became hyper efficient. And we came out of those 12 weeks with the largest, the largest performance, the best performance we had ever had as a company. Sales went through the roof, profits were through the roof. It was the best performance we had ever had as a company. What did I do to not forget the gift? All the systems and the tools. So, for example, we moved our company to a, a tool called Airtable. I don't know if you've heard of Airtable, but it's a brilliant company that lets you code without knowing how to code. So I coded all of these different applications to run the business. And then I started teaching that. And in fact, I got so good at it, I'm now teaching my entrepreneur friends. Next week, I'm doing a class for about 100 entrepreneurs for free to teach them how to bring Airtable to their business. I just want to serve. I want to serve my entrepreneurial friends. 
And so that was how I applied question one, two, and three. The result was the business grew. But the biggest thing, guys, was this. By being able to automate like that, even though I was so frustrated with COVID, it gave me freedom. I no longer have to live in Kuala Lumpur. I now work from home. I'm living in Europe. I relocated my children here, my entire life here. And I've always wanted to live in this medieval city, Estonia. I never could because I thought I had to be in my office with 250 people. Now I know that was an illusion. And so COVID ended up being the best thing that ever happened to me. That's amazing. That's incredible, Vishen. Thank you for sharing that. It's such a powerful example. So I share that only to put into practice the beautiful lesson that you just shared. Yeah. Jay, let's go on to the second story. That second story was about what do you have to let go of? What did you have to let go of in this past six crazy months? I had to let go of the feeling that I thought I could be... Okay, let me explain this interestingly. So I consider myself to be someone who meditates, who reflects, who introspects. It's my part of my daily practice. Yet, when I was forced to slow down, I realized how far away from real stillness I was. And so I had to give up the mindset that I thought I was already doing okay before. Because I thought I was fine. I was like, you know, I was flying around, I was traveling, I was doing this, I was doing lots of stuff. And I thought, oh yeah, but I'm still taking the time out. I'm still doing the work, I'm okay. And then when we were forced into stillness, I was like, wow, I was so far away from stillness and clarity. I was so far away from stillness and clarity because when I was forced to slow down, I was like, oh my gosh, there's so many things I need to work on. There's so many things now that I notice need to shift and my team needs this and I need to work on this. And so it was almost like, I thought I was really present and I was made to realize I wasn't. And that was me taking that raft off of thinking, you know, I have the skills, I have the tools to kind of go back and realize I have some skills and some tools, but I don't have it in this area. And so for me, I really got an introduction into deep stillness and clarity in the beginning to really have a sense of what needs to shift for me to go to the next level. And that I did not have. If this didn't happen, you sometimes just keep going, keep going, keep going. You think you're reflecting, you think you're innovating, you think you're doing all of that stuff, but you're just fooling yourself. And so to actually have everything stripped away and to actually have time to say, oh, wow, I didn't have it figured out. And that's what I realized now that actually having this, so my book was meant to come out in April and it got pushed back to September because of the pandemic. And that six months just changed my life, not just for the book, but for myself to feel that I was in a different place and coming from a different vibration. So to me, that's the raft that I had to give up vision. And, you know, I welcome it too. It's been phenomenal for me because I didn't realize how far away from slowness and stillness I was. What changed about your life? Because I know you, you are so busy, you're all over the place, you're in so much social media, like you're the most productive monk I know. <laughs> but what changed about your life? Yeah, what changed was, so there was no more travel, of course, and that's a big thing for my life. I'm always traveling. There was no traveling. I work from home anyway, so we have offices in LA, but I don't work from them because I like working alone. 
And so my teams work from the offices, but I work from home anyway. So that was very normal for me to work from home. But the other thing that changed was the book got pushed back. Now that was a big thing because we'd been preparing and I know a lot of you were like messaging me saying, Jay, like when's the book coming out? And the publisher made the decision because books were considered non-essential goods and it just wasn't happening. And they were like, we have to push it back and it will be better to serve people later on. And I trusted them and they made the right call. And so that was pushed back. My whole world tour was canceled. So I was meant to go on a whole book tour around the world. We planned press and tours and dates to actually perform on stage. The, the show you came to last year, Vision in LA, we were taking that on the road. So we had to cancel all of that. Your show was so amazing. I can't believe you had to cancel it. Next year, but yeah, we prepped this show. So Vision was in LA last year and him and others came to the show and it was amazing to have that experience and we set it all up so we could take on tour, but all of that got canceled. So, so much got canceled in my life. That's what changed. I just want to give a shout out to that. It was Jay Shetty Live. It was freaking amazing. It was a visual like feast for the eyes. It was like what you would see in a Netflix stand-up comedy special on a massive stage like in Carnegie Hall. It was that, but with wisdom, with wisdom and love and class. It was just a really, really powerful experience. So okay. when it goes back on, I want all of you guys to add it to your goal list to go check out Jay Shetty Live. That's really unfortunate. So yeah, I can imagine. Please continue. Yeah. So all of those things changed for me, but what didn't change was my morning routine, which has my meditation and my practices. That didn't change. What didn't change was that I got to really have time to reflect and think and introspect in a good way. What didn't change was that I was able to realize that I could really approach my fears. This was the biggest one. So my biggest fear was what if something happened to my parents? And same for my wife, because our parents are back in London. So our biggest fear was, what if something happens to our parents and we're not there? Mm. And four people died in our community in back in London, like people of my parents' age. From COVID. Yeah, from COVID. Oh so my God. Me and my wife were worried. And so we were telling our parents to stay safe. Now I asked myself this question and I talk about it in the book, it's called the why ladder. And what you have to do is when you fear something like that, you have to ask yourself, why do I fear this? And so I asked myself, why do I fear this? And the answer was, oh, because I won't get to see my parents. Again, you ask yourself, why do I fear that? I fear that because I love them and I want to spend time with them. Why do I fear that? And when I kept asking myself that, this why ladder, I realized the root of my fear. When I asked that last why, why am I scared of that? It's because I don't feel I show my parents and my family enough love. That's what I was really scared of. At the top, it felt like I was scared of what if something happens to them. But at the root of it, I was scared of like, I'm not showing them enough love right now. So I realized I can have game nights with them. I can message them. I can video call them. And I started putting more effort into the stuff I can control. And that started to remove that false anxiety and fear. So that was huge for me. Oh, wow. That's another profound dose of wisdom the why ladder. Gosh, I love all the different ideas that come out when you're teaching. I just really don't want us to waste time on the yes. surface level anxiety and worry that often isn't what you're really worried about. And if you don't address the root of the issue, then the monkey mind just takes over, right? You just get lost swinging from branch to branch and you ignore the root. So Jay, I want to ask you this question that came in from Sabin Karma. This is the highest rated question, the number one rated question right now from the audience that's watching us live. 
And before I get to the question, for those of you who are listening on the podcast, the live audience here is part of Mind Valley All Access. These are the top Mind Valley students. They have access to everything Mind Valley, from Mind Valley University Tallinn to Ombana app to Mind Valley Mentoring to all our quests. Go learn more on mindvalley.com forward slash access. I believe it is the single greatest investment you can make in yourself on the planet. So back to Sabin's question. Sabin's question is, Jay, what ultimately makes the difference between suffering that transforms and suffering that destroys? Mm, Wow, that's a really, really powerful question. No wonder it was the top rated (laughs) question. So suffering that destroys is where you allow something to consume you and you allow everything in rather than letting what's truly powerful and useful in. So the problem with pain is we do two extremes or suffering. Let's take your word suffering. Two extremes. One extreme is you avoid and ignore the whole thing. It just gets bigger and it comes back at you later. The other extreme is you let all of it in. You just take all of it and then that destroys you because not all of your suffering or pain and fear is useful and healthy. The balance, the middle ground is taking the parts of the pain and the suffering that are useful to understand so you know what you're working on. So the example I just gave is an extraction tool to make sure that you extract from your pain and your fear the parts that you can actually control. So suffering that transforms you, as you said in your words, is where you focus, as Stephen Covey would say, on your circle of influence and what you can control. Suffering that destroys, as he would say also, is when you focus on what you can't control. Mm. So if you're constantly obsessed by when is COVID going to go away, when will there be a vaccine and you're not in the healthcare industry, if you completely let your mind do that, you just destroy yourself because you don't control any of that and neither do I. But if you're like, can I show my family love today? Can I start my passion today? Can I work on my self-love today? These are all things that you can do right now. And that is where pain and suffering and fear don't have the opportunity to destroy you. I love that. I love that. And I think that kind of ties to the third story, the distraction. Recognize what is the distraction. I noticed something you kept coming back to, your daily routine. You mentioned that at least twice. In fact, another really highly rated question from our audience right now is on your daily routine. Let me just see who asked the question so I can acknowledge them for their, their insight. It was Humaira. So thank you, Humaira. So Jay, I'd like to ask you, because I know that you're good at blocking out all distraction and focusing just on your daily routine. Would you share some of that routine with us? Yeah, absolutely. So I summarized it in my book to make it even simpler. And it comes in the form of the acronym TIME, T-I-M-E. And I believe everyone needs to make time in their day. And even if in the beginning, it's just five minutes of each of this, it's 20 minutes. So the T is for thankfulness. I believe that your first thought of the day should be a thankful thought. And the way to make your first thought of the day a thankful thought, and I know, Vishen, in your meditations, you also encourage gratitude deeply, is that a thankful thought, studies show that when you're present in gratitude, you can't be anywhere else. So you can't be in a grateful state of mind and an envious state of mind. You can't be in a grateful state of mind and an angry or an anxiety state of mind. So a lot of us wake up with anxiety. 
But what if you transform that to wake up with thankfulness? And if you woke up with gratitude in your first thought, now you may say, well, Jay, how do I do that? Write it down before you go to bed. What is your thankful thought that you want to wake up with? Often I'll go to sleep and your evening routine is as powerful as your morning routine. At night, I will say to myself and write down sometimes three times, I am waking up happy, energized, and healthy. What I'm doing is I'm programming my mind the night before. When you set an alarm to wake up in the morning, you don't set the alarm in the morning. You set the alarm the night before. So you have to set your mind's mental alarm the night before. And so I set it with saying, I am waking up happy, energized, and healthy because that's how I want to wake up. Then when I wake up, you will be surprised at how your mind, the algorithm of your mind, will put that at the forefront of your mind if you repeat it enough. So waking up with thankfulness. And one of the most important things about thankfulness is that thankfulness has to be personalized and specific. I'll give an example. Vision, name two of your closest friends, real or imaginary, first names that come to mind. Harry Potter. Okay. And Tony Stark. I love it. I'm not let down by those two names at all. So Harry Potter and Tony Stark, Vision hangs out with the Avengers a lot and obviously with uh, Harry Potter. So that's great. So let's say after this is all over, Vision throws an incredible Mind Valley University A-Fest event, right? Like just throws one of his epic events. And let's say Harry Potter and Tony Stark turn up, which I would not be surprised if they did. So let's say they turn up to the party and everyone has this great party after COVID's over, lockdown's over, so the party's safe and legal. And then after the party, he gets two text messages. Harry Potter messages Vision and says, thank you, Vision, it was a great event. But that's all Harry Potter says. Now, Tony Stark messages Vision and says, Vision, that party was amazing. The outfits were insane. The food was incredible. The games we played were amazing. And oh my gosh, your team and your family, your kids are so adorable. Like, I had the best time. Thank you so much. This made my 2020. Now, out of these two, it's natural. Vision's a grateful person, so he'll be grateful for both messages. But it's very natural that Vision's going to be more grateful to Tony Stark for his message because it's specific and it's personalized. And this is something Vision does very well. When, whenever I see Vision or I'm speaking at a Mind Valley event or whatever it is, he'll always introduce me with a very personal story, not just a generic list of accomplishments or whatever it may be. And I really value him for that because A, it means that he remembers, which means he cares because memory is a part of care. B, it's because that means that something I did left a positive impact on him, which means that we have a relationship. And then every time he shares that, it gives me joy. So when you share specific and personalized gratitude, it not only gives the receiver joy, it gives the giver joy. So that's the first thing. I stands for inspiration. You have to feed your mind with inspiration daily. It could be exactly what we're doing right now. It could be a podcast. It could be a paragraph of a book. What I like doing sometimes is writing down my favorite quote and I stick it on a post-it next to my bed and I wake up and I read that first thing in the morning. That way my mind is automatically in the positive. So a lot of us, 80% of our studies show, look at our phone first thing in the morning before we look at our kids or our partners and last thing at night after we see our kids and our partners. So let me just show you this. If you had a good night's sleep and you wake up at zero, when you wake up to news, notifications, negativity, and noise, you're now at a minus five in the morning. You spend the rest of the day trying to get back up to zero. 
the day feels like a struggle. You start your day with thankfulness, with inspiration. I'm going to tell you a few more. You end up your day with a plus five. Now, even if the day was tough, you end up at a plus two. And that's what it is. You're putting your shield on in the morning. So inspiration, one of my favorite, I'll tell you two of my best inspiration habits. About, I'd say probably about seven years ago, I used to listen to Steve Jobs' Stanford commencement speech every single day. Every single day, I knew pretty much, I, at that time, I knew the whole speech off by heart. It is, in my opinion, one of the best speech ever given of, for pursuing your dreams. I recently interviewed Matthew McConaughey for my podcast, and I was telling him that at one point, I listened to his Oscar's acceptance speech from 2014 every single day for 30 days because it's such a phenomenal speech. It's five minutes. It's a five-minute speech, but it is so inspiring. And so these are some inspiring habits that change your thoughts on what it means to be inspired. M is meditation. You all know a lot about meditation. At the base of it for me, meditation is just checking in with yourself. It's just being present with yourself. How often throughout the day are you doing that? And of course, if you're a serious meditator, then you're doing breath work visualization, mantra, et cetera. So that's a big part of my practice. And the E is exercise. This was one that I only added properly, if I'm completely honest, in the last two, three years. It was something I ignored for a very long time. When I was a monk, we did yoga. And then when I left being a monk, I didn't really focus on my body, to be honest, because I just was so focused on my mind and didn't really think about it. And when I married my wife, who's so focused on just fitness overall in her life, she reintroduced me to exercise. And exercise has transformed my life. I'm not doing it to look a certain way. I'm not doing it to have a certain type of body. I'm doing it because I want to feel good and I want to live longer. And I don't want to, I don't want to die because of my own fault, right? Like that's basically it. Like I'm okay with dying, but I don't want to die because I didn't take care of myself. And so I just want to put myself in the best possible state. So thankfulness, inspiration, meditation, and exercise. Five minutes a day will change your life. And the more you do, the better. Amazing. I love that. What a beautiful way to remember it. T-I-M-E, time. Jay, I know that's all the time we had today. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. If you are listening to this on our podcast or watching this on our YouTube channel, please go to jshetty.com, J-A-Y-S-H-E-T-T-Y.me. And don't forget to follow Jay on Instagram and Facebook. I rarely recommend Facebook, guys, but if you have to be on Facebook, there's only one thing you should be looking at on Facebook, Jay Shetty and Mind Up and Mission Lakian. But the rest of Facebook, probably bad for your mental health. But follow Jay on Instagram. His Instagram account is insanely good, insanely good. It's funny, it's inspirational, it's super positive. And finally, open up Amazon right now and check out Jay's book, Think Like a Monk. As I said, it hit number one in the New York Times, and it hit number one on Amazon across all books globally. This is a remarkable book. So go ahead and check it out. Think Like a Monk by Jay Shetty. Jay, thank you so much. Thank you, Vishen. Lakiani, and this is the Mind Valley Podcast. If you like the Mind Valley Podcast, take the next step. Become a Mind Valley member. Imagine being coached daily by the greatest teachers on the planet. How quickly would you transform your health? 
your mindset, your body, your relationships? How quickly would you double the size of your company? How quickly would you see your career grow? How quickly would you eliminate any limiting belief that's holding you back and manifest a life that you once thought beyond your dreams? When you become a member, you don't just get access to the greatest education in the world. You become part of a community of 150,000 of the most incredible people dedicated to personal growth. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash now to get started.